Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely day. I, I grew up on the farm, and these kind of soaking rains were things we actually prayed for. It's really a blessing, and I know uh, you're to be complimented for coming through it to get to church today, but, uh, but thank you. I, I, I trust and pray that your efforts will be somewhat rewarded. Um, if you look in your bulletins, you will, each of you will see that there's a, an insert there, and if you have questions about it, we put a few copies back there of, a, of an explanation of why we're actually mentioning the August 8 election. Uh, and it's really just, you're just voting on one thing, but it's really, really important, and Christians should make themselves known. We're actually opposing efforts by the Planned Parenthood uh, in particular, ACLU is also providing money for them. What we're attempting to do is to adjust the Ohio Constitution so that it exactly matches our federal Constitution in the way that it can be amended. You'll hear a lot of uh, stuff on the uh, television that I've only seen one because I've been gone, but uh, that will be pushing uh, the other point of say they're both going to be saying say, going to be saying let's save our constitution. Uh, but what we're really wanting to do is to require that if the constitution is changed, it would just as our federal constitution, it will require 60 percent of the vote of the legislature, and instead of 44 counties approving it, all 88 counties would have to approve it. Uh, in other words, you do not you want your constitution so that it isn't easily changed every time there is a in and out of another, uh, whether it's a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or who knows what uh, anymore. So the problem, if you're not registered, you probably ought to see me afterwards. I can get because you have to be registered to vote by nine o'clock yes uh, tomorrow morning. If you're not registered to vote, we have to get you registered and have it turned in by 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. But you really should make the effort to vote, and um, I'll encourage you to do that. And as I say, on the sheet, on the place back there where you get your bulletins, there are several of these little sheets that spell out exactly what it's for in case you don't understand, in case I might have confused you any. Now, that being the case, uh, the message this morning is from, the, the text is from the book of Isaiah, several different places there. I want to introduce you to Isaiah. Uh, he's an interesting guy. I call him a courthouse preacher because he was one of those um, prophets who had access to the king all the time. He lived in the, in the area adjacent to Jerusalem, 
and um, he was the prophet for the <clears throat> southern kingdom, uh, the capital being Jerusalem. The northern kingdom called uh, that that called Samaria, with uh, the capital city was Samaria, that included the, the ten northern tribes, had already been captured, and and the bulk of the uh, of the citizenry had been scattered throughout the Middle East. And then people from other countries had been brought in uh, to Samaria. And that's the reason why uh, the Jews in, in and around Jerusalem had such disdain for the people in the other ten tribes because they were no longer, most of them were no longer of Jewish blood. And that's why Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, saying, hey, look, the message of the kingdom of God is for the whole world, not just one nation. And, and so he pointed out uh, who the Good Samaritan was and how that fit into the kingdom of God. The premise that I'm starting with, because you'll be hearing some stuff you may not want to hear, uh, but it's important to hear. The, my premise is this, as Christians, we should all agree to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That should be the, your top priority as a believer in Jesus Christ. We are so influenced by television and social media to get involved uh, in the political world. And you should vote and you should participate but your primary interest as a believer should be for the kingdom of God. We get, there's too much involvement in stuff that is totally corrupt to start with. And I'm going to point that out to you as we go. What was happening here in Judea, which is the southern kingdom, The northern kingdom have already been taken into captivity. There's only two dates that you're in the Old Testament you need to remember. There's just two, but you really should write them down and keep them in your mind. The first one is 721 B.C. That's when the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrian Empire under a ruler called Sennacherib. Now, you don't have to remember that part. But you do need to remember that date, 721 B.C. After he had captured the northern kingdom and gotten the people transferred out to the rest of that Middle East and, and brought in people from other countries so that they couldn't speak to each other, the language barriers and so on, so, so you didn't have to worry about an uprising, he then turned his army toward the southern kingdom. There were about 200,000 uh, troops in, in Sennacherib's army. Isaiah was saying to the king and to a remnant of people, and you have to remember this we're going to, because we're going to talk about it some, who would listen to him, who believed in, 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 in the true and the living God. Look, here's the way it is. You remain faithful to God and he'll protect you. He'll equip you. He'll look after you. If you want to go on your own, you'll pay the price. And the price will ultimately be 
you will be slaves to another kingdom somewhere. It turned out that in 586 BC, the Syrian kingdom had dissipated and the Babylonian empire had expanded and became very powerful. And, the ba and under the Babylonian empire, they finally conquered Jerusalem and carried the in the book of Daniel and others in the Old Testament talk about that. Isaiah had the responsibility that God had given him to make sure that the king and the people, and some of the kings were pretty good, Uzziah uh, uh, and, and, and Hezekiah in particular, were complimented in Scripture for listening to the Word of God and listening to the message that God gave the people through the great prophet Isaiah. Isaiah uh, never talked much about himself. We don't know a lot about him, really. We know about the message that he gave. It's assumed that when you read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, which is kind of a uh, history of the faithful people in the Old Testament, I call it the Hall of Fame of the Faithful, actually made mention to a person who was sawed in two, literally, physically sawed in two. King James calls it sawed asunder. I think that sounds impressive, so I put that in your bulletin. And uh, for having stayed faithful to God, which would have been under the Babylonian rule. Some of the scholars, and I, and, and I don't think this can be, I don't believe that it can be verified, claim that he was of the family and the lineage of David. But that's more tradition than it is biblical. The Bible actually spells out what God expects of a prophet. When he first set up the kingdom in, in, in Israel, he gave Moses, here's what a prophet should be, and here's how you tell the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet. He spells that out in the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, you, the book of Deuteronomy mean, literally means the second giving of the law, not the second time he gave it, but the re repetition of the law as it was given to Moses, much of which has already been written in the book of Exodus and Leviticus. But here in the 18th chapter, uh, starting at what we'll say, what verse, uh, let's start at verse 20. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, and, and get to underline that word presumes, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything that I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death as a false prophet. In other words, in my racket, and the preacher of today is a direct descendant of the prophets of the Old Testament. That's his responsibility. We are to have a prophetic message. He goes on to say, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. So he's trying to say there are those who fill the who have filled the position of a prophet who cannot be trusted because they're in it for the wrong reason. 
just like there are preachers today who cannot be trusted because they're in it for the wrong reason. The prophet Isaiah wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he came and was speaking directly from the Lord. And so he opens his book by saying in verse 1, chapter 1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. He said that God spoke to him in a vision and that it was his responsibility to carry that message to the ear of the king. And he does that with a great deal of clarity and force. He was sort of a classy prophet. He didn't do the things that Jeremiah and others did, walk around naked or carrying a, uh, a, a great big heavy yoke around his neck to dramatize his message. He didn't do that. He just, but he, since he was in the, in the house of the king on a continuum, he had the ear of the king and thus the ear of the people. He was, had a powerful influence, especially, I think, on Uzziah and Hezekiah, both of whom are spoken of as being good kings. There aren't many good kings listed in the Old Testament, but both Uzziah and Hezekiah are complimented in Scripture as giving attention to the message that Isaiah gave them that was directly from the Lord. He, he preached at that time then when Assyria was the dominant power in that part of the world. Historically, there were three great powers, not including Israel. It was Egypt, Babylon, and Assyria. They were the, and they kind of traded different times when they were the most powerful. Now, what I intend to do is to kind of clarify as best I can who Isaiah was and what he did. He made it abundantly clear that Judah as a whole with the capital in Jerusalem, had a flaw in their religious faith. The flaw was they were more concerned about carrying out the ritual than believing and living it out as a, as a result of having it in his heart. The Bible teaches as a man thinks or has in his heart, so is he. So God judges us from the inside out, just our, not just our behavior, because there are people who can behave and appear to be very righteous and very clean and so on and so forth, but whose motive all along was to get rich. And so, but, so God, we cannot see that, and we're fooled by it at times. But God, when we come before him, judges from the heart. And so he, he pleads with a, Isaiah pleads with the king and what he, what he calls the faithful remnant. Now that becomes a very important issue. He said you cannot trust the ordinary citizen out here because they, they don't pay any attention. They're only concerned about their, themselves, their family, their pocketbook, and blah, 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 which is exactly the same as our culture today. The bulk of our culture fits into that category. If God is going to make any headway or get anywhere with his plan for the kingdom of God, he has to deal with us. 
you're wasting your breath out here. We have to be equipped, and hopefully we are among those who are the remnant, as he calls them, in the 48th chapter of the book of Isaiah. We waste our time trying to appeal to the unconcerned in most of our society today. And, and some, some really, I, I call it uh, disconcerting data is out here for us today. Are you aware that in the last year, 2022, more babies were born to single mothers than to married couples. What that says, of course, is that the family is in disarray, to say the least. And our children of the future have a real struggle. Youngsters who have no male image in the home are far more prone to fall into the homosexual thing than in a standard home, even though in standard homes it does happen. What I'm telling you is this. Isaiah was saying, folks, if you will listen to the Lord and seek first his kingdom and be committed to doing his will above anything else, God will drop a protective hedge around you and your whole family and your whole country as he did Israel. And I would plead, I would say, as he did this country for many years. It was on 9-11, I believe, that we have evidence that God lifted the hedge and said, if you want to live Without my influence, you're on your own. You will reap what you sow. And you cannot depend upon my protective hedge anymore because you've said you don't want me involved in your life and in the life of your country. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Part of that blessedness is the protective hand of God. Israel actually listened under Uzziah and to Hezekiah. And when the Assyrian army attacked and surrounded Jerusalem overnight, Thousands of them died of some kind of a plague. And Sennacherib took the remaining part of his army and went home. God said, you trust me and I'll take care of you. And he did. As Peter later observes what took place there and said, the Lord is not slow concerning his promises, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Israel had been warned. They heeded the warning that Isaiah gave for a period of time, and they were protected. 
Why? Because they sought to obey God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, I'll take care of you. I'll even see that you have food to eat and clothes to wear. That promise God will keep. A modern day prophet, in my opinion, was a guy who came to the United States from the Russian Gulag and visited the United States. His name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He gave a speech for the Templeton Award, and I believe it was like May in 1983. He gave May the 10th, I think, yeah, in 1983. He said concerning our country and our churches, you are volunteering to do what in Russia we were forced to do at the point of a bayonet or at the nozzle of a gun. I would encourage you to look up on the internet Solzhenitsyn's speech. He so perfectly described what we're doing today, and he did it 50-some years ago, that I can't help but say he was a modern-day prophet. And I believe that all of us who study the Word of God and have the responsibility of transmitting that to the hearers have a responsibility that sometimes is discomforting for us to say to the people who say they trust God, who say to the people what they need to hear of the danger that exists. It is my belief that you and I are living in one of the most dangerous times in the history of mankind. And I think it can make a brief case for it. We have a tendency, and I've done the same thing in the past. I don't think so now. But we've had a tendency in the past to think that difficulties can be overcome with political expediency. If we get our government right, everything else will be okay. And there's some truth to that because historically some of the good things that have happened have been initiated by government interference. Things that we can be proud of. But let's look at our world today and be honest about it. The truth of the matter is if we look carefully, very carefully, let's say you're a Republican, and I've been registered one for years. I'm really an independent, but I'm registered as a Republican. 
The thing that makes me very uncomfortable is that the head of the Republican Party, sadly, is a Kentuckian. His name is Mitch McConnell. He's the most powerful person among the, in the Republican Party in Washington. Claims to be a Southern Baptist. But what most people don't know or have ignored, and maybe it's been covered up some too, but it's available if you know where to look. I'm fortunate to have friends who love the Lord, who've been involved in military intelligence for many years. And I have access to some information, some that I can't tell because I promised I wouldn't, and some that's available to everybody. Mitch McConnell divorced his first wife for whatever reasons I don't know or don't remember. And he married a beautiful Chinese girl by the name of Elaine Chow, C-H-A-O is her last name. She was born, at that time it was called Formosa. Today it has a different name. And uh, she and was just a child when her family moved to the U.S. A very bright kid. She couldn't speak a word of English, but she became an excellent student, graduated from college. As I say, she was born, what, in the city of Taipei on Taiwan. And she was involved in politics because she married Mitch McConnell. She became the Secretary of Labor under President Bush. She became the Secretary of Transportation under Donald Trump. Her father formed a company that's called the For its, its title is the Foremost Maritime Corporation. And since then it's gotten so big that there's a holding company that he that he still owns called the Foremost Group. Her father has since retired, and the company is run by her, her sister. But while she was in office, she assisted her father in developing a billion-dollar and more company. She helped him, helped him, and helped him because of her political position. They do most of their business with the Chinese Communist government. They do most of their business with the Chinese Communist government. They made so much money that at least one time that I can document, he gave his daughter Elaine and Senator Mitchell somewhere between five and twenty-five million dollars as a gift. I could get by on that if I didn't tip too heavy. Now, my point is we know what I just got through telling you about the Republican Party cannot be argued with. It is in the, they are accepted facts that are beyond discussion. If you look at the Democratic Party today, our president and his family, we know, have taken considerable amounts of money. How much, we don't know. Five or ten million they're talking about to start with. Who knows? 
from companies that are directly related to the communist government in China. One of our representatives in Congress actually had on his staff a Chinese staff, a Chinese spy for many years. She was able to get out of the country in time before she could be arrested because she was going, <clears throat> going to be arrested. Her name was Christine Fang. She was on the staff, and, and uh, uh, one congressman from California, Eric Swalwell, he, she was on his staff. We know that in New York City today, the Chinese Communist government has five police stations. In New York City, they have five police stations in the USA. They did have six. They closed one down about six weeks ago. We allowed a balloon to get all the way across our country and not shoot it down till it was offshore. That we knew was sending sensitive, shall I say, material back to Beijing. Now I tell you this to say to you because some of us have been really active in political parties in the past and the present. You need to be very, very careful. You need to be very, very careful. And what I'm begging you to consider is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For that's the only kingdom that exists that isn't severely flawed. China, Russia, both have the nuclear bomb. Our involvement in the Ukraine I don't know whether we should be there or not. That's not my point. It's pushing the envelope of whether a crazy man who has no moral fiber at all, who is a Putin, is not above using atomic weapons. We live in a dangerous and scary time. Russia has more nuclear weapons than we do. China now has rockets that we have difficulty shooting down. Russia is being supplied with rockets and drones by Iran. And Iran is only a short time away from being able to produce nuclear weapons themselves. I don't think, and this is speculation, I don't think that China, or rather that Israel, will permit that to happen, and I expect any day for Israel to bomb Iran. Iran, who has close ties with both China and Russia. 
What I'm telling you this is to say we live in perilous times. These are dangerous times. And I think it's important for you to understand that this is all directly related to what I anticipate is very possible. I think the things are set up almost to perfection for the second coming of Christ. This is where I've been headed all along. When you look, Jesus always keeps his promise. And when you look very carefully at the opening chapter of the book of Acts, Jesus had ascended into heaven. And it says concerning his followers, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Here is a promise of the messengers of God, angels or messengers from God, affirming the fact that what Jesus has said, if I go away, I'll, I'll have to go away to petition the Father to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come and, and be among you. And then to the early Christians when Jesus left, he affirmed the fact, I'm coming, and I'm coming in the same way that I went away. What you need to know is that everything has happened, regardless of, of, of a bunch of theological stuff that's thrown around by people who really don't know what they're talking about, the whole business of the whole bunch of stuff supposed to take place before Jesus comes again didn't exist until 200 years ago. Just rely on what the Bible says and you'll be fine. The Bible says, and Jesus himself said it in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. He's saying, here's the way it works. When you get, when mankind gets to the place where they're no longer looking for Jesus to come again, that's when he'll show up. You can, you can put your money on that one. When, this, when Jesus was discussing his coming again with his disciples, starting verse 36, he said this, No one knows about that day or that hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, meaning himself, but only the Father. And it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, the people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah went into the ark. They knew nothing about what was happening until the flood came and took them all away. But then it was too late, wasn't it? 
what I'm trying to do to you with you folks because I really do care about you. If and when we're living on the verge of the second coming, I want you to be ready to meet the Lord. But all other things, I want that to happen. Jesus gave us this advice. He said, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know of what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known at what time and the night the thief was coming, he would have been keeping watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at the hour when you do not expect him. Answer me this. Do you know or have you heard anybody anywhere who have been talking about Jesus coming again and expecting him? We're living in a day and an age where that is not given any thought either by preachers, churches, or anybody else. And yet that's exactly, that's exactly when Jesus said Jesus would come again. Now, the reason I went through, the reason I went through a lot of time bemoaning the fact that our political structure of this day is as bad as it was in Israel. It can't be trusted. Either side cannot be trusted. They're actually, if I'm, and, and what I told you is verifiable evidence, it's not speculation. If that is true, then the communist Chinese government has leverage over both of our parties here in the United States. You better, if, you, if you're not leaning on the Word of God, you better learn Mandarin Chinese. Because they're even now saying, and this is speculation, that it's suspected the Chinese are setting up a spy base on Cuba, just like the Russians did back in the 60s when President Kennedy stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Khrushchev, and they finally backed off. I could tell you some things about that that I'm not permitted to tell you, that it was really a scary time. My brother, oldest brother was involved in some of the planning at the time. Now, I honestly believe, and this is pure speculation of Scott Rawlings, I honestly believe that the Chinese government indeed has leverage over both of our political parties as I speak. And the reason that thing wasn't shot down that everybody knew was collecting, we even data and sending it back to Beijing and we've even allowed the Chinese, without anybody saying anything about it, to buy ground adjacent to many of our military installations. And we haven't said a word. Why haven't we said a word? Because I'm convinced they, that the Chinese government knows that they bought off people here in the United States and they're afraid to say anything because 
The Chinese can anytime they want to say, hey, we gave you all this money. You see, if I'm right, a hundred years ago, the people who took money from the Chinese would have been tried and found guilty of treason and probably shot. We live in dangerous times, dangerous times, when the threat of a nuclear war is imminent. It's imminent. And here's what Peter wrote. Listen with care. It's in the third chapter of Second Peter, starting at verse 8. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now listen. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything, and, and so what, what, what should our response be in light of what the scripture says? He answers that. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed up his coming. The day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire. Elements will melt in heat. Is there anything that exists today that will destroy even the elements of our existence other than nuclear weapons? I think not. Elements will melt in the heat. But for those of us who live godly and holy lives, who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, now hear me carefully. Many of us today use our faith as a backstop and it's not number one in our lives. It's on the list, but it's not at the top. Jesus said, I'm not putting up with competition. You put me first. Now, I know how that works. I haven't been married too long. We just had started this church back in the 70s. And I was really working around the clock. My wife one evening sat me down and said, you, we need to talk. You're not giving me the attention that I require, and you're not giving the attention of your children that you help bring into this world. I don't, I expect God to be first in your life, but I better be number two. Now, I, she wasn't kidding, if you understand what I'm saying, and she wasn't wrong either. And. I wish she had forgotten about it, but she brought it up again a few times. Yeah. So what, yes, 
Friday, I was in Louisville, Kentucky for a senior pastor's podcast, that's hard to say, with false teeth, with three other of my preacher friends, and uh, we were talking about some of this stuff. What brought it up was we couldn't find a motel to stay in. There was a basketball tournament in Louisville for youngsters. There were 1,500 kids and their parents and their children. I ran it. We were, uh, we I finally got a place to stay in Simpsonville, which is what 20 minutes away from where I was going. And, and there was a young couple there, so I I wanted to know about that. So while we were eating breakfast, I talked to them. They were initially from Owensboro, Kentucky. That's where Kentucky Wesleyan University is. And I had a young man that went to our church from Nebo that played there, Tommy Hopgood. And uh, went to see him play a time or two when they were here in Akron, and I forget where else, played here. So I said, oh, oh, oh. and they had moved to Alpharetta, Georgia. And they had driven from Georgia to Louisville to participate in that tournament. 1,500 kids. And they were playing all weekend long. And the team brought their cheerleaders. This couple had, their daughters were the cheerleaders. And I said, well, tell me this. What do you do for church? She smiled and I said, I said, where do you all go to church? She said, we're Southern Baptists. Uh-huh. What does your preacher say about y'all missing church for playing basketball? Because when I was a kid, now listen to this. This is not an exaggeration. If we'd had a basketball game on Sunday, the coach would have been fired. If we'd had a basketball game on Wednesday, prayer meeting night, the coach would have been fired. Today, if he wins, he gets a raise. A lot of things have changed. As it was in the days of Noah. And as Isaiah said to the people there before they got into trouble, be careful because too much of your faith is just showing up and making a sacrifice and then going back into the world and living as you choose. Oh, I'm on the list of the things you care about, but I'm not at the top. We are living in a day when that exists again. And I don't think you can argue with that. At the time when you think not, the thief arrives. And Jesus was saying, that's the principle that God is using. When nobody cares, he'll ring down the curtain because the game is over. I'm pleading with you. Today after tomorrow, or even tonight, the crazy man in Moscow chooses And when, if, to, to use a nuclear weapon, the ball is off of the tee and the game is on 
and the potential for a nuclear holocaust and the end of creation is a lot closer than you may think. And it, the Bible says that's the way it's going to happen, but it doesn't say who's going to pull the trigger. I'm asking you, please, because I care about you, put God and his cause at the top of your list. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll take care of you. Probably better than you've ever dreamed. The good news is, if you are faithful, and if you do put him at the top of your list, and if the end of time comes and Jesus appears here on earth, here's what he's going to do for, the, for you who are faithful. He continues, Peter continues and says there in chapter 3, but in keeping with his promise, we're actually looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness of God. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. If you aren't, there's two things. If you aren't a Christian, don't leave this building till we talk. Number one. Number two, if you are a Christian, and God isn't at the top of your list of priorities, I plead with you to change. That word for change is repent and change. We're talking about life and death for eternity. And you, if you'll put God at the top of your list and his will for your life, you have this promise. You're a citizen of that new heaven and that new earth. But it's only if Jesus is the Lord of your life and you're consciously, purposely, enthusiastically seeking first the kingdom of God. I've said what's on my heart. I hope you take it the way it's intended. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you have allowed us to be warned, just like Isaiah warned Israel. Thank you, Father, for giving us a heads up so that we can all be ready to meet you face to face. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, is my prayer in his name. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.